Welcome to week three of our vision series where this week we are talking about having vision for your neighborhood. So we're going to be talking a little bit through the vision guide and all of that stuff. Um, but before we do, we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 10 today. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. If you're on the Bible app, that's where we're going to be. A couple years ago, I was getting ready to go on a trip to Florida. So it was winter in Wisconsin. It was the first year that I had lived here and I always lived in the Midwest. So it wasn't like winter was a surprise, but still, you know that it's nice to get away somewhere warm when it is winter in the Midwest, especially Wisconsin. So it's winter time. I'm excited to go. Um, I am in an Uber on my way to the airport and not super uncommon for me, I'm making friends with the driver. So I'm talking, I'm having a good time, I'm getting to know him, his story, how his family, you know, got to where he was, all of this stuff. Now, in the meantime, um, by excitement, I show up to the airport, I'm getting ready to the spot where they're like, okay, we need to see your ticket and your ID, I'm made it that far. And I realize I do not have my wallet. I got in the Uber, I got so excited for the trip, I got all the way to where I needed to go and I did not have my ID. So what ended up happening is they're like saying some stuff that I don't understand and they're walkies and they're like, okay, come with us, I'm pulled aside to this room and they're like, okay, we just need you to answer these questions, we're going to call social security to confirm your identity, then you can get on the plane. So they go through this list and they're asking me things like the year that my parents were born and I'm stumbling on that. Now I will never forget the year. If you ask me, I know the year that my parents were born, but I'm like, I don't know how to remember this stuff. So then they ask me to name four neighbors, first and last name from the last place that I lived. Now, lucky for me, the last place I had lived before that, I moved here from Madison straight from college, so it was a dorm. So, luckily for me, I knew the names, first and last names, of four people. But that was one moment that I was so grateful I knew the people that lived around me. I want to ask you today, if you were asked, like, point blank, to name four of your neighbors, first and last name, would you be able to do that? Studies recently show that more and more people are less likely to know their neighbors. Now, a lot of this is going to be based on where you actually live. For us in a city, it's going to be more common for us to know our neighbors, but if you're in the suburbs, it might be less common. A lot of times they call this kind of the, the front porch theory, where it used to be that people would sit outside, they'd sit on their front porches, and they would go into their homes through their front doors. But then, all of a sudden, when we have these garages attached to our homes, people you can pull right into your garage and go right into your house without having to see anyone. And through this, we have seen that more and more people don't know their neighbors. We also talk about it a lot here at New Culture of one of our the reasons that we want to be downtown and in the city is because statistically more and more churches are moving out of the city and into the suburbs. And so for a lot of people, um, they don't even like live and go to church in the same area. So it's one of those things that we have seen more and more. So this week, we're going to talk about what does it look like for us to be present in our place, to love our neighbors, because we see this all throughout scripture that we are called to love our neighbors. But I want to read to you some scripture today and just kind of unpack what does this actually look like for us to do that. 
So in Luke chapter 10 here, starting um, in verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the road. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper to look after him. He said, And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have had. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law said, The one who had mercy on him. Uh, this is recorded in a couple different spots in the Gospels where people are coming to Jesus and they're questioning him. They're like, what's the greatest commandment? Who's our neighbor? All of this stuff. And I love it again. Another spot that we read it is in Matthew um, chapter 22, verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, they come to Jesus and, and they're questioning him again. And they're saying, teacher, uh, which is the greatest commandment in the law? They're like, what's the greatest commandment? What should we do? And he says again, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Now I started with the question of saying, hey, can you, do you know your neighbors? Can, can you name their first and last names? Can you tell us where they work, what they do? Now, why this is so important is we see here that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. But the thing is, is we can't love our neighbors if we don't know our neighbors. To love someone is to know them. The two go hand in hand. It says here to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know how to love myself. I know that if I'm having a rough time, I know what I need. If I'm hungry, I know what kind of food I'm going to want. If I'm thirsty, I know what I'm going to want to drink. I know how to take care of myself and to love myself because I know myself. It's me. What does it look like for us to love our neighbors? I think we have to start with the first question of knowing our neighbors. And so that's the first thing that I want you to hear today as we talk about casting vision for our neighborhoods and for our neighbors is, is this. And write this down if you're taking notes. To love my neighbor, I need to know my neighbor. To love my neighbor, I need to know my neighbor. It starts there. It starts with simply knowing our neighbors. But then Jesus, in the story that we read of the Good Samaritan, which is a famous parable teaching that, that Jesus, um, we see him give here, there's a couple other things that stand out that I want to talk about here when it comes to now how do we love our neighbors and what does it look like to be a neighbor? Because you see at the end of this, there's three different people that are represented here that walked by the man that had been beaten. It says he had been left for dead. He was half dead lying on the side of the road. And you see that there's two religious people that had walked by him, a priest and a Levite. 
Now, at this time, they were still walking under the old laws, the old covenant. And so because of their religious beliefs and customs, it would have been seen as unclean for the priest or the Levite to go and to care for this man, even though he was hurting, even though he was broken. But the Samaritan comes by. And it's really important for us to talk about two things, okay? We're just going to talk about some definitions. So to define a neighbor for us today, you would say uh, somebody that lives in my building, somebody that lives on my street, right? Like we kind of know what that means. But believe it or not, in the Bible, it's the same type of thing. If you go back and even in Luke chapter 10 here or in Matthew 22 and you look at the root word uh, for what it means to be neighbor, what does that word mean? It means someone's dwelling among you, somebody who's living in the land that you're living in. But Jesus then kind of shows us a little bit more of what it looks like for us to be a neighbor. So the other thing that I want to just talk about a little bit of like, what does it mean to be a Samaritan? Why is that important here? So a Samaritan at that time was half Jew, half Gentile. So wouldn't be fully accepted by the Jews or the Gentiles. So in a way, they were outcasts. And so they were kind of like this mixed race, this mixed, what they would have referred to in the Bible, like this mixed breed that, that really wasn't accepted anywhere. So what we're seeing here is that not only is Jesus saying, hey, it doesn't matter religious customs, that's not the most important thing here. Race, cultural background, that's not the most important thing here. The most important thing here is to be aware of who you're walking past, the people that are dwelling among you, to know them, to know their needs, and to love them. That's what Jesus is saying here in this story. And I think it's so profound for us to take a moment and to step back and to think about who are the hurting and the broken people that we are walking past every single day. Now, it's not going to be every day that we're going to walk by someone that is physically lying on the side of the road left for dead. Um, that's not, that might not be an everyday occurrence for us to see that physical outward hurt. To be honest, we've seen a lot more of that lately, I think, in our culture where there's outward hurt that we've been able to see. But, but, but the hurt that people are facing, what people are walking through, it is more than skin deep. And so what Jesus is illustrating here for us is he's saying, hey, the one who is the neighbor, the one who really represents what it means to be a good neighbor is the one that went and had mercy on him. It's the man that it says here that he came, that the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. So he came to where he was. He saw him. That shows us that to love our neighbors, we need to know our neighbors. To love our neighbors, we need to see our neighbors. It says that he saw him. He had mercy on him. He took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. So he sacrificed for him and he brought him to the inn and he took care of him. But what I love here is that he left the two denarii and, and, and he left it there and he said, I'll reimburse you for any expenses you have. Like, I just want to make sure that this person's good, that this person's taken care of. You see, this shows us so much of what it looks like for us to be a neighbor to someone in the sense of it's, it's knowing them, it's seeing them, it's being able to take the time to care for them. It's saying that I'm not just going to ignore the hurt that's going on, but I'm going to say, what do I have to help bring healing? This man, he, he took oil and wine and he poured it on him to cleanse him, to help heal his wound and bandage him up. You see, there are things that Jesus has given you, that his Holy Spirit has given you, tools that are going to be in your belt. Um, and that day, maybe his satchel that are there that he wants you to use to bring healing to your neighbors and to your neighborhood. 
for all of us, it's gonna look different at different times. But I want you to know that, that there is a reason that Jesus has placed you where he has placed you right in this moment. He's surrounded you with the neighbors that he has surrounded you with. And he's gonna give you tools at the right time and the right place to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring hope. All those things that we look around and we're like, our world needs to know that we carry that as followers of Jesus. We carry that with us. We carry his Holy Spirit. And you see that in the Samaritan. He wasn't afraid. And Jesus is saying, be like that. Be the person that's not afraid to cross religious boundaries, to not be afraid to cross racial boundaries, but to say, hey, the most important thing is that if there's a person that is in need and I have something to offer them, that I'm going to pause everything I'm doing and I'm going to get down to where they're at and I'm going to be there and I'm going to see it through. This isn't just a one-off thing, but I'm going to see it through. So there's a lot here in this story, but those are a few of the things that I wanted to point out today. And the next thing that I wanted to talk about is so to know your neighbor, you have to, uh, or to love your neighbor, you have to know your neighbor, you have to see your neighbor, and you have to take time. You see, the Samaritan man, he was going somewhere that day. So it doesn't say he was wandering around. It doesn't say that at all. But I want you to think, like, is there even margin in your life to have a conversation with people? Now, and I know we're talking about this through the lens of COVID, right? So even for myself, we talked last week uh, as communities where I shared, I said, you know, I'm struggling to know what it looks like to know my neighbors and to love my neighbors when we wear masks in the hallway in my apartment building and it's one person to the elevator. So it's hard, right? And so this is definitely through a different lens that's going to cause us coming together and being creative and saying, what does this actually look like? But I want you to think about like in the day to day, do you even have margin for conversation? Do you have margin to slow down and to notice the people around you and to see them so that you can know them and you can love them? The next thing that I want you to to hear today is that there is power in your place and there's purpose in your place. I want you to think about where you're located right now. And I want you to think about that when the church first started in Acts, that it really was transformation, one person, one place at a time. And that's what we talk about here at New Culture, that we want to create the culture of the Christ together, right here in this city in Madison, one person, one place at a time. And so what that means is, what does it start to look like for us to have vision, to say, how can we as individuals look at our communities and see ourselves as the pastors of that community? And I'm not just talking about me as as a pastor, but for each and every one of us as followers of Jesus to say, I am here on mission to help the people around me find healing, to find hope, to find all those things that Jesus has given us and to know like we have tools. We have what they need. We have some of those answers that we can get, but it's going to take us slowing down. It's going to take us noticing things and seeing that. But one of the things that I wanted to point out is talking about um, even when the early church started and how cities have always been a strategic place for the gospel to spread. So I want to read just kind of this insert from a commentary today. Um, It says that cities have been strategic place for the gospel. They always have been. The apostle Paul took the gospel from city to city as early as AD 100. More than 40 Christian communities existed in cities around the Mediterranean world, including North Africa and parts of Italy. Then by AD 300, half the citizens were Christians and 90% of the countryside were still pagan. Most of Paul's letters were written to cities. 
Another reason why we love being in a city. Um, cities tend to be places where culture is formed. Many of the spheres of influence are from cities, including government, politicians, lawmakers, arts, entertainment, businesses, marketplaces, universities, other education, media, communication centers. Any of that sound familiar to where we're at? So really like what you see here is when the gospel spread, it was, this goal is to transform a culture, to transform the world, to transform a culture, you transform a city, to transform a city, you transform a neighborhood, transform a neighborhood, you do it one person, one place at a time. So when we're looking and we're saying, what's our vision for Madison? That's it. Is that we would start to transform the city one person, one place at a time. As we talk about creating this new culture here and we see that, yes, we want to transform the culture. We want it to look like Jesus would want it to look like, to look like what it would look like if he here was walking himself in our neighborhoods. It's strategic. It's exciting. It's hopeful, but it's going to take each and every one of us as followers of Jesus to see the power in our place, to see that it's not a mistake that Jesus has you living in the house that you live in, on the street that you live in, in the neighborhood that you live in. But we've been talking about with vision, without it, without vision, people perish, but vision guides us. It sustains us. It's what helps us get to where we need to go. And and it's all a part of this becoming. And so I want you to start to think about what does it look like for you to have vision for your neighborhood? What does it look like for you to start thinking of of how you can create margin to to say hello? What does it look like to talk with people in your community or people around you to say, what are creative things I can do right now to meet my neighbors and to help them find relationship with Jesus? Because we truly want to see this city transformed and we want to look like Jesus, but it's going to take all of us feeling that ownership over our neighborhoods and knowing the power in our place. So here's what I want to share with you now is I want to go back to um, talking about Pray 297, which is our prayer initiative here at New Culture Church. And it comes from Jeremiah 29.7 that talks about going um, to the place where you've been sent into exile and praying for the peace and prosperity of the land. You see, Jesus, when he was here on earth, we see that he modeled this life of prayer for us. It was such a part of who he was. And so as we're on this journey of becoming like Jesus, we know that prayer is huge. Prayer is so important. And so we know that if we want to see God move in the city, it's going to take a lot of prayer. So if you go to newculturechurch.com slash pray, our goal is that we want to pray for every single neighborhood in Madison because we have a vision to see a Christ-centered community in every single neighborhood in this city. And there are a lot of neighborhoods, but we serve a really big God. And we know that if we all come together, that it's possible. But in order for that to happen, we know it's going to take a lot of prayer. And so we are trying to do that. But this week, what I want you to do, and this is in the vision guide, which is on our website, the Bible app, Instagram bio, email us if you can't find it. We want to encourage you to go into prayer walk, if you haven't yet, in your neighborhood and to do some neighborhood mapping. We want you to take time to go and to walk around your neighborhood and to, in the same way we said, we want you to love your neighbor, but first know your neighbors. And maybe you already do, maybe you've started, but I still want to encourage you to do this and to take a walk and to start to think of who are my neighbors? Where am I? Where is my place? 
what is the purpose, God, that you have for me in this place? And so a few things that the questions that I want you to ask is to say, um, who are your neighbors? And to start to look up what are the types of houses and buildings that are around me to ask, um, what are the businesses here? What are, uh, what's happening? Like, what are people doing when I see them? And so um, what I have kind of laid out here for you to do is to go on two different walks this week around your neighborhood at two different times of the day. So bundle up, get on out there and just ask God to just kind of show you things, um, to smell things, to hear things, to see things, and to just try and notice what's happening around you. And then to pray and to just ask God what he's inviting you to do. I also have here for you to then just draw out your neighborhood and say, okay, where, where's your neighborhood? Who are these people? And to start this way. And so this is a simple practice for us to really start to say, God, we want to love our neighbors, but to love our neighbors, we have to know our neighbors. And sometimes it's going to be taking time to slow down and to see things and to hear things and, and to really be aware of what's going on. And, and then we want to just really pray over the power of our place and the purpose in our place. And, and for you to know today that it's not a mistake you're watching this, but that there is purpose for you to go and to bring hope and to bring healing into your neighborhood. We want to see the culture of Christ all around the city. And in order to transform this culture and this world, we need to transform the cities in this world. And it's going to be one person, one place at a time. So I want to pray for you and I want to encourage you. Would, you. would you practice this this week? Would you pray for your neighborhood? Would you draw a map? And would you continue to help us on this journey of praying for all the neighborhoods in Madison? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much, God, for your word. Lord, we thank you for the example you set for us and what it looks like to love our neighbors. God, that it doesn't matter um, who our neighbors are. Are. God, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter their religious beliefs. It doesn't matter who they voted for, the music they listen to, the food they like, any of those things. But God, that if there are people that dwell among us, if there are people that are in our land, that Lord, we have a responsibility and that we have tools to bring hope and to bring life and to bring healing. And so God, I pray that you would help us to not be like the priests and the Levite that just go about our business, our religious duties, and we forget about the people right in front of us. But God, would you help us to continue to be like the Samaritan that saw past it all? Would you help us to be the people that are willing to be attentive, are willing to be walk with our eyes wide open and to have vision to see the people that are right among us? Would you help us to take time to know them, to care for their wounds, and to help them to find hope and healing with you, Jesus? So we love you. We thank you for this time. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.